Now I wonder if any of you have got a favourite perfume or a favourite aftershave that you like to wear. Um, perhaps several people have commented when you've worn a particular fragrance or aftershave uh, about the beautiful aroma that you've carried on your body when they've been near you. I remember many years ago, Paul bought me a perfume that I still love today. And every time I wore it, quite a lot of people would come to me and say, Janice, what is the name of that perfume? And I would answer, it's beautiful. And their, their response would be, yes, I agree with you, it is beautiful, but what is the name of it? And again, I would say, it's beautiful. And this would go on for a while and we'd laugh about it. But in actual fact, the perfume was called Beautiful, with a capital B, by Estee Lauder. And I believe a fragrance should express and replicate its actual name, the name of what it, uh, it's bearing. Um, the story here today is all about a woman who anoints Jesus with a beautiful smelling ointment. It left a lasting aroma all day long for everyone to enjoy. Now in the previous chapter, chapter 11, Lazarus, who was the brother of this lady who'd done this act, he'd been raised back to life by Jesus. And so uh, a dinner was given in honor of Jesus for the fact that he'd been raised from the dead at the home of Mary, Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. We don't know how many people were present at this meal. There could have been quite a large gathering. There would have been friends of the family. We do know that Jesus and his disciples were there. There would be some of their neighbors, people who wanted to meet this man who'd raised Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible tells us that Mary, this was the sister who used to love to sit at Jesus' feet and hear him talk. She came into the room bearing a jar containing a pint of pure nard. It's a very expensive perfume. And she proceeded to minister to Jesus by anointing him with it. So we're going to talk about that action today and just see what we can pick up uh, for our own lives. The first thing we note about the action is her expensive gift. This was an expensive gift that she, that she used. Because nard is also known as spiker nard. It's an aromatic amber-coloured oil derived from the valerian plant. It's very costly because it's only found in very few locations in the world, parts of India and in the Himalayas in Nepal. So it would have been costly to actually find this plant, costly to purchase it, bring it back home, and very expensive to use a whole pint on one occasion on one person. This was a very, very lavish act. Um, it has a rich, sweet musk uh, musky smell. It's said to have a calming effect upon the body, <coughs> causes the person to relax. Um, there is a sense here that Mary was anointing Jesus in readiness for his death and burial, as it was just six days before the Passover feast. Now at this event, um, her sister Martha, she uh, served the food, she fed the guests, she looked after them. She met all the physical hunger needs of everyone there. So she was taking care of everybody. However, her sister Mary was in a different position. Her role that evening was to minister just to Jesus alone because she provided an anointing that was a prophetic symbol of what was to come, that was his crucifixion. It was a declaration of her own personal worship of Jesus. 
So it was a spiritual act and it, her act had a spiritual influence that particular day. Now we know this expensive gift was expensive simply because Judas Iscariot complained straight away about this and he talked about the extravagant of, uh, extravagance of her actions, declaring it was worth a year's wages. I understand in Roman days, the average wage would have been equivalent to one penny per day. So if this ointment had cost about 300 pennies, then it was worth nearly one year's wages, which was a lot of money in those days, if you look at it in average wages today. Now, of course, Judas was not interested at all in helping the poor, as Andy read. He was the treasurer. He kept the money bag that looked after their needs, but he dipped his hand into that bag quite often. So he was a thief, the Bible tells us. Very unlike Mary, who wanted to bless Jesus. He took, she gave. Mary wanted to give something of great worth back to Jesus because not only had Jesus saved her brother and brought him back to life, but she also believed that Jesus was her saviour and her Lord, and she wanted to honour him. <clears throat> she didn't think twice about pouring all of this ointment on the feet of Jesus. So we can see here today that this was a selfless act of devotion to her Lord. And I want to ask us some questions. I wonder what we give to Jesus that is costly to us. Are we willing to give him the whole of our lives? Can we give him our hopes and our desires, our future plans and dreams? Are we willing to give him our money and our finances, our labors, our selfish devotion? Does all our hard work and our money that we've earned in this life simply reflect that what we are gaining for ourselves? Or do we recognize that this is just the one life that we enjoy here, but it's not the total package? Life is not all about us and what we want and what we want to attain. As Christians, we believe that our lives should be about serving Jesus. Now, Jesus said that he came to bring life to people in the world. We can enjoy an abundant life in Jesus to the full, but there are lots of people in our world today who don't know Jesus personally. They've never experienced his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, or the peace and joy of his salvation. Mary's gift was an extremely costly and expensive one. She laid it all at his feet in that one act of devotion. It was an expression of her love for him. I'm going to ask you today, are you willing, and I'm, am I willing, to lay down all that we are, all that we own, at the feet of Jesus as an expression of our love and devotion to him for all that he's done for us. Now we see that not only was this an expensive gift given by Mary, but also we see her humble attitude. In doing the act that she did, she had to kneel down at Jesus's feet to apply this ointment to him. It was a servant's pose. And it was a humbling position for her to take. They were friends. They had talked previously. Uh, she listened to him. She loved him as her saviour. But his feet would have been dusty from walking those dusty uh, roads, dirty roads on which he walked to their house. She anointed his feet with a nard. She cleansed away all that dirt and dust with the precious ointment. And then we read in the scriptures that she wiped his feet with her hair. Now in those days, it was the custom for women to wear extremely long hair and it would have been long enough to be used as a towel to wipe his feet. 
Instead of Mary standing up and reaching for a towel, which might have been the custom, she chooses to remain in her kneeling position in order to wipe away this ointment with her hair. She couldn't have forced herself any lower if she tried to do this. So I believe this was an act of true worship of Jesus. She recognized his lordship, he was a savior, and he deserved her utter devotion. Now, this was a very personal moment for Mary at that time to kneel down as low as she could in front of all these guests to wipe the Lord's feet with her hair. But at the same time, this act of worship was witnessed publicly by all the guests at the dinner. So it was both personal in her devotion, but it was also public. And people there could see her act of genuine humility, worship, love for Jesus. I wonder how some of those people felt at that dinner. Did they feel uncomfortable with such an act from a lady, this act of honor? Did some of them agree with the sentiments of Judas? This was an extravagant waste of money. I presume there would have been friends of Lazarus present there who had never met Jesus before because they came because they wanted to see the one who'd raised him from the dead. But I believe as well that having witnessed this incredibly spiritual and precious private moment as well as, well as public, this would have impacted them for the rest of their lives. I'd like to think their lives were irrevocably changed by this one act that they saw, this encounter with not only Jesus himself, but this woman who did this lovely, gracious act. Now, Jesus commended Mary for her actions. He more or less said to Judas, leave her alone. She's, this is intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. It was an act of humility and service to Jesus because she knew he was about to die on the cross. He talked about what was to come, although the disciples didn't really understand what he was talking about. He was to die for the whole world. So she wasn't ashamed or embarrassed to reveal and demonstrate her faith to those around her. I wonder if we are prepared to let the rest of the world know about our faith in Jesus. Are we willing to share with our friends and neighbors the knowledge of our personal relationship with him? How far are we prepared to go in testifying to them about our salvation? Are we willing to tell our friends, our family, our colleagues at work, people in the community, because they too need to hear the message of Jesus's love, salvation, mercy and forgiveness. Now I've heard people say to me and to Paul many times, my faith and my personal beliefs are private. They're personal to me. I don't see the need to talk about it to all and sundry. However, we see here that Mary's faith and devotion to Jesus was put on record for all time. We are reading about this 2000 years later because it was witnessed publicly by these different people. She was declaring her faith and her trust in him, and they recognized that. I believe that her humble attitude of adoration would have impacted the dinner guests there. I don't think they could have been the same people again. They would have talked about this for, for days afterwards. They would have been changed, I am sure, by this most unusual encounter that they witnessed. Now, the act of anointing, washing, and drying the feet of Jesus would not have been a five minute uh, thing. It would have taken time from start to finish because it was an act that she was doing to honor him. 
I'd like to ask us again some thoughts here. Do you and I take the time to honor Jesus in the way that we should in our personal lives? Is the way we speak and behave each day of our lives honoring to him? Do we take time to give Jesus, do we give Jesus time to, uh, when we read his word and talk to him about our day and our lives? Do our friends and family and colleagues and neighbors, do they know and recognize how devoted and committed we are to Jesus? Are they able to observe how much time we give to him as opposed to the time we might spend on personal ambition, pleasures and pursuits? And these things aren't wrong, it's good to have them. Just as Mary's gift of worship used her creative instincts she used pure perfume, she used her hands, she used her hair. Just in the same way, do we use our creative gifts to honor and serve Jesus? I've always said that we are to be his hands, his feet and his voice as we serve him wherever we go. So we've noticed that hers was an expensive gift. Hers was a humble attitude. Finally, we're able to see at the end of this story that um, hers was the fruit of true worship. You will see as I talk what fruit was born from that worship. Verse three tells us that when Mary had finished her act of worship, the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. A costly perfume worth a year's wages had been poured all over the feet of Jesus and then wiped dry with her hair. This aroma that was powerful and beautiful would have lingered in the room and the whole house. The fragrance didn't linger just upon the body of Jesus. It would have lingered upon the clothes of the dinner guests after they left the house that evening. They would have been reminded of the act they had seen. The people and the servants preparing the food and working in the kitchen would have smelled the pervading perfume as it filled the house. I imagine the intensity of that perfume was wafted outside into the street, possibly drifting down into the dwellings of other people. Maybe people were saying, what is that beautiful smell that I'm smelling? The one act in that room affected a whole house full of people, but I believe it would have impacted many other more later as they heard about what Mary had done that day. I can imagine that the talk of the town would have been about this selfless, and public act and devotion of Mary to Jesus. Now Jesus was about to die for the sins of the whole world and Mary anointed him in readiness for his own death and burial. And as, as I previously said, I believe this was a prophetic act of service, devotion and adoration. It told the onlookers that she wholeheartedly believed that Jesus was the Messiah who was to come and die for the whole world. He is the resurrection and the life. And he said that to her sister just a couple of chapters before. When Mary had finished her act of honoring Jesus, her hair would have been covered with this ointment. Absolutely. The powerful fragrance of that nard would have been all over her hair. She carried the fragrance and the aroma of it as she moved amongst the dinner guests. The presence in the room couldn't be missed. People could not have missed her as she walked about. The devotion she carried was on her person now. I think there were results of this genuine worship. We will see the product of that affecting more than just herself personally. It affected everybody in that room. 
And I would like to ask us the question, just like Mary, when we've been in the presence of Jesus, is the fragrance of Jesus upon us as we encounter others? Do we carry the presence of Jesus and the fragrance of Jesus every day as we move about in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities? Does our worship of Jesus, and that is not just about singing songs, but the way we behave every day, the way we speak, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we interact with others, does that worship of Jesus that we carry about in our lives, does it, does it affect other people? Does it honour Jesus in all that we say and do? Our true act of worship in the way we live our lives will always, always produce fruit and we should see people's lives changed by the Lord because of their encounters with us, because we have encountered Jesus. Jesus himself said that if we believe and put our trust in him, we're like branches abiding in the, abiding in the vine and we will produce fruit in our lives. Now the Bible tells us when we're born again and we become Christians that we are the temple and the dwelling of God's Holy Spirit. Therefore, we should carry the fragrance and the presence of Jesus in our lives, wherever we go, whatever we do. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Many years ago, in 1984, I wrote a very simple worship song that used to be sung in our church. It was a, all about offering my love and adoration and worship to Jesus because he'd given his life for me and I was truly grateful and am. I just wanted other people to know what Jesus had done for us. I'm going to read out the words of this song simply because I believe they reflect the thoughts and feelings of us all as we consider what Jesus has done for us. And this is, this is the song. Lord, I open my alabaster box of love for you. I will wash your feet with my tears. I anoint your head with the fragrance of my love, for I worship you, Lord. Yes, I love you, O Lord. I will lay down my life, O Lord, at your feet. I'll bring to you, Lord, the praises of my heart, for you have forgiven all my sin. You gave me new life, and now I want to say that I worship you, Lord. Yes, I love you, O Lord. For you are my king and my God. That worship song was an expression of what was in my heart, uh, my feelings about Jesus. In conclusion, I want to ask some questions again. What about our own hearts? Have we got time for Jesus? Do we carry his fragrance? What about our homes? Are our homes places where others encounter the presence and fragrance of the Lord? Do we see the fruit of our personal worship of Jesus emanating from our homes and houses as other people visit us at times? Do they say we can sense that Jesus lives in this home? What about Level 10 Church? Does the Level 10 Church body carry the sweet aroma of the presence of Jesus when it meets together as a family or when we meet on Zoom? Do other people around the area of the church or in Stanmore, do they ever experience the fragrance and presence of Jesus when the church comes together or when the church meets with them? Song of Solomon chapter 1 says, verse 3 says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume 
poured out. That's exactly how it is. Jesus' name has a, an aroma and a perfume about it. We bear the name of Jesus Christ if we are Christians. We are little Christs. If we know and love him. And so our, truth, uh, our true worship of him every day should produce fruit in our lives, individually and corporately as a church family. We should be carrying this fragrance every day of our lives. And then we should have the joy of leading others to Jesus. I wonder how many of those guests came to Jesus and gave their lives to him and became his followers. Let's be willing to give to him the costly gifts of the whole of our lives. Let's be willing to humbly offer Jesus our full devotion and our worship so that we will see much fruit, fruit produced in our lives and in the corporate life of Level 10 Church. It was an expensive gift she gave. It was a humble attitude that she showed. But I believe there was production of much fruit as a result of her worship of Jesus. May that be the same of our lives today. This is our purpose. Thank you.